Welcome to the NLPCourses.com show, where we push past the hype and pull back the velvet curtains of creating a successful life with NLP. Diving into physiology, neuroscience, and linguistics so that NLP becomes a practical tool at home and in your career, moving beyond the techniques so that you can make a name, make money, or make a difference. Tune in weekly if you care more than others think wise as we set out on our quest to uncover the secrets of successful people from all walks of life. Make sure you head over to nlpcourses.com to subscribe to receive our newsletter and receive free transcripts of each show. Here's your host, NLP Master Trainer, John Cassidy Rice. Hello and welcome to this week's podcast. This is the second recording I've done of this introduction as I bought myself a walking desk. So I have a standing desk with a treadmill attached to it. And as I do my emails, write my articles and do the planning for this podcast, I can walk anywhere up to 8 to 10 miles a day. So really good. I'm getting so used to walking and working at the moment that I was recording as I was walking and I couldn't figure out what this low hum sound was. And although the motor is not very loud on the treadmill, it still picked it up on the podcast. So here we go again. What are we exploring this week? We're going to peek behind the curtains and look at what is happening in the brain when we program our own minds. And this could be using any of the vaster range of NLP techniques. And also, what seems to happen when you've done some wonderful piece of work, you've programmed your mind or you've helped somebody else make changes in their life and similar behaviours pop up? What is going on at that point? So grab your dancing shoes, pull back the curtains and let's get going. You are amazing, but you already knew that. Inside our brains, we have a hundred billion neurons, each capable of making at least 20,000 connections. Each connection is a learning, understanding, a way of knowing the universe. So what are we talking about when we talk about programming our minds? Well, we're talking about changing the vast array of patterns and processes that we've got running. As early as 1948, Dr. Claude Shannon came up with this fascinating idea that no matter how complex a pattern is it could be broken down into a series of on and off states one or zeros and this formed the fundamental promise behind information theory now you probably already caught it on i'm talking about the exact same way that your ipads are programmed how self-driving cars work and all computer languages is all based on either on or off. Now here's the thing. Dr. Shannon was also claiming that this is the same principle that drives our own operating system. In fact, every operating system of every li living organism. And we call it the nervous system. Whoa, well that's pretty incredible really to think that we could boil down the complex patterns that we have to the same fundamental idea that is running our computers. Well, it's not exactly that way. Because our neurons are made up of nerve fibers and electrical circuits are made up of copper conductors, well, typically anyway. 
So neurons communicate with other neurons through electrical chemical signals which turn on or off. Now that is just like how electrical signals turn on or off through electrical circuits. So think, let's think of this a different way. Think of neurons as being a bunch of people communicating. So somebody starts a rumor. Some people hear the rumor and some of them repeat it to somebody else. Some neurons turn on, they pass on the electrical chemical signal to another neuron. Other neurons didn't hear it, i.e. the rumor, and don't turn on. Now here's the thing, if that same rumor comes back around again and the first neuron hears it again, it strengthens it. So that neuron has been exposed to that rumor again. And with each additional exposure, that strengthens that connections. And they start to fire and we create permanent paths, i.e. a pattern or a program that is running. Donald Hebb came up with the idea that neurons that fire together, wire together. And that means your brain is creating patterns from a vast array of information. So where is the brain getting this information from? Well, from the five senses, visual, auditory, kinesthetic, feel, touch and emotion, olfactory and gustatory, smell and taste. And also your own internal thoughts. Now, this is where it gets really good. Each neuron can take part in as many different patterns. In fact, trillions of patterns can be overlapping and sharing the same combination of different neurons. Well, actually, trillions understates that potential. If we took just 500 neurons and looked at how many unique connections and combinational connections that just 500 neurons could produce, 2 to the power of 500. Man, that's incredible. That is more than the estimated total number of atoms in all the universes. So the question then becomes, how do we change these patterns? How do we program our minds for different behaviors, different habits, different thinking processes? Well, the clue was in the way that the brain processes information, i.e. we said through the five senses and our internal thoughts. So one of the easiest ways to program our minds is through changing our internal thoughts. And the way that we do that is either through using our imagination, and I'm using the word imagination to imply all the senses and not just visualization, and language. Ah, this is where we start to realize some of the true potential behind NLP. And this helps to explain one of the principles that we've explored already in this podcast series, which is your brain doesn't process negative thoughts. I.e. don't think of a blue elephant up a pink tree. Ask for what you want to happen, not what you don't want to happen. So here we're exploring how language triggers an internal thought which creates an image and we notice that the unconscious mind responds to the strongest image and it starts to show up in your behavior all the pieces are coming together this is wonderful so if it's so easy to program our minds and we're doing it all the time why are some people not getting the results they're expecting 
from the various different ways and techniques we offer within NLP and in other systems, whether it be CBT, counseling, sports therapy, or any of the other wonderful tools that we have at our disposal. To explain this phenomena, let's Lindy hop our way over to Incognito, The Secret Lives of Brain by David Eagleman, who is proposing a theory that the brain is a team of rivals. So he got this idea from the 1960s as artificial intelligence started to get prominent and they were attempting to build simple robotic programs that can manipulate small blocks of wood. Now this turned out to be exceptionally difficult because not only do we have depth perception, we have 3D to take care of, and also deciding where one block is in relationship to another block. Oh, it was just an incredible process. And what they discovered to get around this is that they would subdivide all the little different things that need to happen. So they'd have one mini program for reaching out, one mini program for going down and up, one middle mini program for doing 3D depth, etc. So instead of trying to create an all-purpose intelligent system, they started to have what they started to refer to as local experts within the networks. So you'd send a particular job down to a particular program and that ignited the artificial intelligence to a certain point. And this caused Minsky in his book, The Society of Mind, to state this. Thousands and perhaps millions of little processes must be involved in how we anticipate, imagine, plan and predict and prevent and yet all this proceeds so automatically that we regard it as ordinary common sense. At first it may seem incredible that our mind could use such intricate machinery and yet not be aware of it, which we call in NLP the unconscious mind. This moved us on to the 1970s where the Society of Mind framework was an incredible step forward that this division of labor that doesn't interfere with the conscious mind just happens at an unconscious level. Sponsor of this week's NLPcourses.com podcast show is the NLP Master Practitioner. Complete a full NLP modeling project and pull together your NLP skills like no other course can. Head over to the website to grab your place today. And yet, our smartest robots was still less intelligent than a three-year-old. So what was wrong? There was still a critical factor missing from this divisional labor model. And this is what David Eagleman is referring to in his book, The Brain is a Team of Rivals. So there seems to be a conversation among the different functions of your brain, each competing to control that output channel or that behavior. Not too far-fetched because how often have you argued with yourself, cursed yourself for doing something, tried to encourage yourself and push yourself to go ahead and take action? Or you're on the diet and somebody offers you the largest piece of chocolate cake you have ever seen in your life and part of you wants to keep on your diet and the other part would just like to taste just a little bit of that chocolate cake knowing it's not going to be a little bit, it's going to be the whole chocolate cake. So biological creatures such as us are conflicted. And David Eagleman says that the brain is best understood in, times of, in terms of rivals. So one way to think about this would be political parties. Now if we take any country, we live in the UK, so we'll take the UK government system, 
that you have different political parties with different agendas, different ways of approaching pretty much the same output, which is to govern the country. And only one governing party can win at any one time. And we see this process on many different levels of in the brain. On one simple level, we have conscious and unconscious. We also have left and right hemispheres. And yet, if we cast our minds back to an earlier podcast where we talked about Freud, he was proposing not just a dual process, he was talking about three different processes, which he called the id, the ego, and the superego. An American neuroscientist, Paul MacLean, suggested that the brain is made up of three layers, representing the successive stages of evolutionary development. The reptilian brain, now this evolved to survival of behavior, the limbic system, which are the emotions, and the neural cortex, which is used for higher order thinking. So there could in fact be many different competing systems in place, all making sure that there's some balance, and sometimes even just on the level of being rational, the logical side of you wins out, and other times the emotional system wins out. And this is all important when we think about programming our minds and what's happening when something seems to have not worked. And in fact, it probably has worked. It's just a different system is winning out at that point. So what seems to be the purpose of these rival functions within our brains that seem to be competing for attention and control? Well, from an evolutionary point of view, it'd make a lot of sense. So if we looked at the competing systems that we called left and right hemispheres, the left and right roughly look very much the same and they are connected by this dense highway of fibers called the copious colossum. Now, here's the thing, in the 1950s, when neurobiologists Roger Sperry and Ronald Mayers did some experiments and they experimented on some cats. As we know, Pavlov liked to experiment on dogs and what we discover is Roger Sperry liked to experiment on cats. And one of the things they did in some experimental surgery was to cut the cat's brain in half just to see what would happen. And what they discovered, actually not much. And this resulted in the first successful split brain surgery that was performed on a human with epilepsy. And this was in 1961. And the result was the person could live a very normal life. And in fact, they had no trouble with their memory. They could love, laugh, dance and have fun and lead a normal life, as we said. They did discover from this that the left and right hemispheres process information differently, and you could present information to the left hemisphere that the right hemisphere would not be aware of, and vice versa. But that's a very different rabbit hole for us to explore, and we'll go down that rabbit hole another time. Taking it a step further, one of the things they noticed was that as long as somebody was under the age of eight, if you removed half of the brain, under certain conditions where that would be beneficial, the other half of the brain would take over running of all the systems like language, memory, imagination, and that person would live a very normal life. And that gives us a clue why we'd have all these competing different systems in place. Because if one system goes down, the next system will take over the running and the processing. And this is often what we're up against when we're programming our minds. We program one part of the system and at some other point a rival system comes into place. So it's not that the programming didn't work. It did. There is 
fail-safes that the brain has put in for various different behaviours, thinking processes and just being human. So that indicates to us that there are multiple changes to be made at various different levels over a period of time. And that makes a lot of sense. And thus explains why when you program your mind and you made the changes, sometimes you can default back to old behavior as you're using a different system. Now this can work to our advantage. So if we consider memory, for example, nature is infinitely inventive and it has systems that work. So under your normal daily activities, part of your brain called the hippocampus cements information in. Yet, if it's a frightening situation, like a car accident or robbery, the amygdala lays down a set of independent, if you like, secondary memories. Now the memories are, have a different quality to them. And they are difficult to erase and can pop back like a flashbulb. So we have multiple encodings of memories. In other words, there are more than one way to lay down memories. And we're not talking about the memory in different events, but multiple memories of the same event. That'd be like if I observed a situation and you observed the situation and we wrote down what we noticed, there'd be some similarities, but it'd be a very different perspective. And that's why memory is an illusion because it's been multiply encoded and we pull upon different aspects at different times, which means memory changes. And we can update the memory, change the meaning of the memory, and there's a whole range of NLP techniques that do this. All based around this idea that biology, us, humans, nervous system, rarely rests with a single solution. Instead, it ceaselessly reinvents new solutions for the same end, just in case. So would there be a flow of programming in your mind, a system, if you like, for programming in new systems? And I would suggest that we, have, we start off with a clear goal, know exactly what it is that you want to program in your mind. Then create or uncover a trigger and know what the reward is, and that could be emotional or physical. Decide what the new pattern of behavior would be. Then you go ahead and you program the mind. And like I said, there is a range of NLP techniques that enable us to do this. And then, and this is what this whole program has been about, is make sure there's a feedback loop in place so that you can improve and update the program as you go along. Wow, are you aware of just how much we've covered in this session? If you've got any questions, please do let me know more than happy to help in any way that I can. I've also mentioned several books in this session, so I'll put links to the books in case you want to go ahead and read them. And I would highly recommend David Eagerman's book, Incognito. Excellent book. Now that we've finished all the science stuff, I'm off to find my blue suede shoes, grab my guitar and do some Elvis. Elvis has left the building. Thank you and good night. Thank you for tuning in. You were just listening to NLPCourses.com podcast show. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review and make sure to head over to NLPCourses.com to subscribe to our newsletter where we keep you updated with in-depth NLP topics. Subscribe and stay tuned for upcoming episodes on neuro-linguistics, programming, and beyond.